On this episode of Eager to Know, the impact of not being exposed to the arts as a child, and what my guest says is the best thing you can do to be a good mother. We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Diana Levitin Gondak is a visual artist whose childhood was filled with all forms of creative activities and creative people. Trips to museums, trips to the theater, and family friends who were artists, musicians, and writers. We discuss her journey and what her background in art taught her about being a mom. Diana says she feels most comfortable when she's surrounded by her art. My art is me. So you take away my art, you're taking away part of me. That's how I sometimes feel in terms of um, I've noticed myself, even at somebody else's show, and all of a sudden there's this kind of insecurity, it's, it's, and it's not so much that, that I'm uh, of a jealousy or any of that sort. It's just like, where are my paintings? I need them next to me, too. So I sometimes feel that. So um, when did you start producing artwork? Um, as a child. I mean, I've always been very involved in the arts. It's um, I've come from a very um, artistic family and literature and the arts and theater and it was always around us. It was always, you know, it was a joy to do. It was That was our outing. Let's go to the Art Institute. Let's go to a play. So it just, it was just the natural thing for me. So when you were producing artwork as a kid, did you have the same feeling like when it was around you that was a feeling of like warmth and safety back then? I didn't have them on my wall. I believe I had like a poster of Paul Newman. So I didn't <laughs> really, um, it wasn't until I got you know, my own space, my own studio that I put my artwork up. Even in my home, I really just have some few pieces from college, from my, my watercolor days. I don't have my oils there. I have my friends work up and, and some other artists I, I've known. But um, it's in, in terms of just that real security is when I feel as soon as I walk into my studio and have that art, they're just, they're there. It's it's all my feelings are there for the past couple of years. And it's just a very warm feeling. Nice. Now, so I would assume that that is the optimal way for you to produce artwork is to be in that space where you're feeling warm and uncomfortable. Yes, yes. I do have two studios. I have um, my studio in Chicago at the Joby Arts Center. I also have one at home. I have a home studio in terms of you know, the weather or whatever. Um, I'm not feeling good. I can also work at home. But I feel the comfort there, too. And I have my artwork around there as well. So your family was the family that went to art museums. And was that like a primary focus of what you did as a family together? Yes. And also, even the family friends were into music, Um some dear friends of my parents were um, jazz um, and, and performers and jazz. And so we would have these parties, Christmas parties, and there were just these gigs. So we'd come downstairs and these were professional artists just all performing. I was this little kid listening to this. So it was it was always around. Then there were artist friends. We'd go visit and come to our house, too. And um, it even went on to um, politics. It was just, it was a very fascinating childhood. Diana was a fine art major at Northern Illinois University and raised two children while actively engaging with the art world. She was an art director at Northwestern University 
and eventually taught art awareness in the Naperville School District. Okay, so tell me about that. That was fun. It was um, kind of getting it out again and, and, and speaking in front of, you can speak in front of kids, you can pretty much speak in front of everyone, get them involved. And so I did this when um, I think my son was in like fourth grade, I started with him. And then I, my daughter was coming into kindergarten and he was going into junior high and I started with her since kindergarten. So I did six years of art awareness. And that's where you would talk about an artist or a couple artists and then you would have a project that dealt with what the subject was, subject matter of your of your lecture. So this was, who were who, who were the students? Like how old would they be? Oh, from I did kindergarten through fifth grade. Oh, so yeah. it's like little, it's little like young, it's youngins. Yeah, very, yeah, very young. So what is that like teaching? Because this comes up a lot on the podcast is children's relationship to art is very different than adults because children are much more open to it. They don't have, they're not, they're fearless and they just jump right in. Would you agree with that statement? Uh, definitely. But you also see different personalities where some, they're very more timid and didn't know what to do and what are the rules. So when you see some would just go right ahead and start doing the artwork. Um, it definitely helped in learning how to deal with people, even coming into my, my studio space now during openings, you know, how to in, engage conversation and, and to read them and you know, to understand what their interests were. So... I think that kids develop into their full selves fairly early. Mm -hmm. um, I went to kindergarten with some of the the same people that I graduated high school with because mm. we never moved. So when I look back at some of these kids, they were like fully developed in their personalities and in who they are back then. Right. Do you think that that comes out? artistically as kids do you think kids sort of are somewhat developed in how they would approach art and how they would express themselves in art um, and that that would sort of carry through their adulthood i would think so i think art is part of your personality if you're slightly rebellious that would be you know not following all the rules and that we also had theater in evanston in those days i mean starting i think i think it was even kindergarten but it was we had our own little theater so um that was brought in too, so that it's so much imagination and 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 um, different forms of artwork, not just one thing. And it, you know, I'm it, I'm I'm sorry to see a lot of that's not there anymore for this generation coming up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So they would there would be also I assume there would also be music. Yes. Um, you know, visual arts as well as theater, and so that would be a way that kids would be able to express different parts of their personality. Um, so what do you think happens if that's not available? Uh, because certainly some places those things aren't available. Um, I mean, do, do you have any opinion on that? I think you're getting people who are limited in, in what their scope of, of their view is. You have to, I'm even raising my kids. I wanted children, Renaissance children. I want kids who are involved in music and literature and in the arts and in math and in on everything. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to introduce everything to them, but mm -hmm. not force it on them. And it was their decision what to do with that. I think when you don't give that to a child, they're, you know, I think you're, you're getting a, a world, of, a world of limited people. They're not as, um, um, they don't, they're not going to, Enjoy the real world out there because there's only a little bit that they understand and, and want to know about. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. If that makes sense. That does make, <laughs> that does make sense. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that certainly like I'm a, like a science and math guy. Mm. Um, so I love science and math, but I think that using engaging in things such as music, which I didn't really do a lot of, but sports, which I did do and art, which I did do that kind of configures your brain in a way mm. that affects how you are as an adult. It doesn't mean that you are going to become an artist, but it affects how you view problems, how you view the world. Even if you're an accountant, I think that if you have a background in all of those things that you just described, I think that it's probably going to affect you in a a positive way, no matter what your role is. And your brain too. I think just even in terms of, um, I mean, music helps you in reading. There's, you know, things... It, it's a positive thing in in your own um, education, you know, the core education, bringing the arts in there. It's going to help with that. And um, I mean, luckily, my kids did end up going into music. I had a, a drummer, a rock drummer, um, who ended up being a Purdue graduate. So that's that's kind of on the sideline right now. But he also did lacrosse and played at, at Purdue. And my daughter is an oboist. And um, actually is right now um, continued on with her music and is a music therapist at Musicordia in Chicago. So you had this childhood that that strongly encouraged engagement with the arts. Uh, Then you were in an early career, it sounds like, in the arts, in the school system. And now you are an artist. Um, So tell me about your current work that you do. Um, currently I do oil. Well, I love oil. That's my, that's my main uh, medium. Me too. <laughs> I love the smell. I just love everything. Love it that it gives me time to think. Oh yeah. It's the um, best. Yeah. And I, I, I try usually to work on one painting at a time and it kind of engulfs me. I sleep on that painting. I think about it. Like if I have any, it, I look at it as, as little puzzles and what does it need? What can I do? And yes. and it just kind of, I live through that night with it in a dream and I can wake up and I know what it needs. I, it's I, problem solving. Yes, exactly. It's exactly, problem solving. Exactly. Um, I also, um, in some of my travels and some of the shows, um, I started, I took some pictures here and there and I've been using those in more um, assemblage art and I've been doing that lately too just for fun. I, I like to do things in the, to a point where I feel like, okay, when it starts getting repetitive, like, okay, another body on body painting, what's going to be this time? I know it's time to, to move on. yeah, to move on and to try something that's, you know, challenging and to learn from again. Okay. And then it all comes together. I mean, it, all these little pieces from my earlier work um, to now, it, these are all still building in my, in my voice. Okay. I think that's one of the things that I'm most grateful for that I am a painter is the the fact that it, you can always reinvent it and it never runs out of being a challenge. It's kind of like yoga. Do you, do you do yoga? A little bit. Okay. So (laughs) yoga is one of these things where you, it's never going to, you're never going to master it. Mm -hmm. Like there's always something Mm. new to learn. So even when I'm like old and I'm like 80 years old, like I will still have new things that I can learn right. and push myself. And art's kind of the same way because you can always challenge yourself in a new way and re- reconfigure it so that it's something new and challenging. Now, is it difficult for you to 
find new things to work on, inspire you? Or is it the reverse where you have more than you can accomplish? You have tons of inspiration and limited time. Um, I don't, I think it's something in between. I, 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 I have things in life sometimes take over, unfortunately, and we get busy and take care of things. Um, and, but in general, it's more, I, what was the original question? <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to figure out yeah. is there is the, the idea that you have all of this time and artistic mm. energy, but you don't have enough inspiration. Okay. And then the flip side of it is you're inspired by everything you see, right. but I only have 24 hours a day to express it. Right. Which, right. which side of it would you say? You I would on? say I was more on, I'm, I'm always inspired. I always have something in my mind that I want to work. I'm working. I'm always, I always have to be working on something. I can't have absolutely nothing going on uh, a piece that I'm working on it I feel lost if I if I if I don't have something there that I'm I'm thinking about I'm, I'm working on um it, it's funny because it, I it gives me a piece and then all of a sudden that piece is kind of gone and I'm like yeeks you know <laughs> what's next you know but so I I always but nearing sometimes even near the end of a project I'm working on I I come up with the next thing I want to do so it's a continuing yeah, I'm, I'm the same yeah. way. So whether I'm working on a particular painting, I always know what's next. Or if I'm working on a collection of paintings, I always know what my next either collection is or my next project. Yes, it may yeah. be a project that is not painting, but there's always something in that developmental part of the um, developmental phase mm. um, that's sort of brewing in the background. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. So... Um, so I know that you do watercolor and what, so tell me a little bit about that. I am, I am not, a, I like watercolor for certain aspects. I think it's, um, lovely when people do it and the paintings are great. Personally, I think it's just so challenging. Right. What, what's your thought on well, it? Well, actually uh, my watercolor days have, have sort of ended when I went back to, when I first, when I found oil. Um, and I had done one large um, commission piece in watercolor. But after that, I think oil just kind of took over. But my days in watercolor were wonderful. That was the, my emphasis in college. And I had a wonderful teacher, Wynne Jones. And um, he just really opened my mind to everything in terms of, of um, technique. And I, I still think if you can, if you can, somewhat conquer watercolor you can do any medium you can oil acrylic you know it's yeah you know, of course i always tell people that it's the number one thing is learn how to draw that's that's the number one thing yes but um Absolutely. i do think yeah you can skip around and 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 not have that watercolor training and be an incredible artist but i think for those who do get that it's it opens doors for you to quickly to other mediums yeah, I remember when I um, started painting, I was like, acrylic or oil, what should I do? And I don't know, I think the people at Blick told me to start with acrylic, so I did, and then, um, which was fine, so I did it for a couple years, and then I was out at a bar in Brattleboro, Brattleboro Vermont, <laughs> and I just started talking to someone who was an artist, and he just convinced me, this was in 2012, he, I, it, I posted it on Facebook that this guy like convinced me to do oil, and I actually went to the art store in Brattleboro and bought all the oil stuff and just <laughs> tried it. And um, I was intimidated by oil, but I think it's actually the easiest medium mm. because it is so forgiving. 
Um, you you know, there's some things you have to get used to with using like the linseed oil and the, the turpenoid or turpentine. Um, you know, they're like mechanical things right, that you have right. to deal with. But um, I think it's easier because it's so forgiving. It doesn't dry. Mm. So you have plenty of time. You're, right. uh, you know, when you're in acrylic, I feel like there's a timer because you have like 10 minutes and it's dry and then and it's constantly changing. You know, right. every I, minute you, it's getting more and more solid and it's it's really I think it's difficult. Yeah, I think I think it really is how art is how you you go to go to work is it, I think some people think oil's too slow for them. You know, oh, I've got to let it dry and do if I do another layer, you know, blah blah blah, you know, and they don't they they're the people that really need to be working their acrylic. Um, but definitely that, that time is just, it's just such a treat to have that. And like waking up the next day and going, Ooh, I don't know if I didn't do his eye right. And then I can kind of just easily play with it and, and correct it. I had done horses, um, for the city of Chicago. And I was, when I was first asked, I'm thinking, Oh, I really want to do oil <laughs> for these horses. Cause that's what I really love to work with. And I was told just don't do it. it. You know the chemicals to keep to set it. It's just not worth it, and the it's very difficult. So I did the three horses for the city. I did those it's for horses of honor. I did those in acrylic. Okay, which is very fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned um, drawing. So I took a class in um, at the Florence Academy of Art mm. and. They, we started in, it was, it was like a workshop. So it was like six weeks. It wasn't super extensive, mm -hmm. but we started in drawing and then it sort of evolved into painting mm. and um, it definitely solidified the relationship between drawing and painting for me and, mm. and sculpture, quite frankly, like the three kind of work together. Right. So, um, you know, and I always, when people talk to me about wanting to be a visual artist, I'm always encouraging them drawing because... Yes. You know, it's something that you can do every day. So rather than, you know, I tell people every morning when you get up, rather than reading the news on your phone or on your computer, pull out your sketchbook and draw your coffee cup like every day. <laughs> if you do that every day right. in 30 days, you're going to improve your drawing skills. Right. What is your, how did you start with drawing? I, I learned sort of, I think maybe how I see things. I learned there's a trick to it. The, the, it. It's as simple as looking at life and putting a tracing paper over life and drawing it. It's not what we know. It's what we see. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. That's, it's, that's how you draw. Mm -hmm. I, I know how your, your, your face is and I, you know, your shape, but that's not what I would draw. I would draw just what I see, not mm -hmm. what I know. Um, and I think when it comes to painting, then you, you can do both. That's fun, too. I think once you learn the trick of, of and the skill of drawing, then bring in the painting, bring in your thoughts, bring in your your heart, bring in what you're trying to say. But there's a foundational part of it, which mm. is about shapes and value, right. which is, what, you, is yeah. what you're talking about. Yes. So I talked to um, the artist Robert Porzinski about this, and mm. it's about it's basically what you were just saying is when you are drawing, it's. It isn't really painting like when you see a um, a ball on a floor, you would think to draw that as a circle, but it isn't necessarily Correct. really a circle because what you would be drawing the 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 dark parts and the light parts and the the shadow and the part behind it. So it's actually shapes, mm -hmm. and none of those shapes are a perfect circle. Mm. They're they're different types of shapes. So it it is you have to um, 
change the way you view the world. Right, right. Foreshortening. I mean, learning how to do that, learning how, you know, to draw some of these, you know, angles that, you know, just your, your mind can't understand. You know, you, you see people who aren't trained and they can't, they can't draw what they see. They only draw, they can only draw what they know. Yeah. Do you think that's the biggest part of teaching someone? Because because I mm. think that drawing is foundational to visual arts. And do you think that's like the key to like the thing that you have to break people down is is to to draw in shapes and what you're actually seeing as I, opposed I think, to Yeah. I think I think learning how to draw is 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 incredibly important for becoming an artist. Um but that can't, well, there are people who just go by that, you know, and that's all they do is mm -hmm. just, you know, realism and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's it, it's something else to bring in your mind to another level too. Like, okay, I, I've got that down. Now what's next? You know, how can I go from there? What's, what, how can I make this piece say something I wanted to say? How can I go to this next level of of creativity? Okay. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. So there's kind of like the foundations, which are the mechanics. Correct. So it's about composition, value, hue, you know, chroma, all of the <laughs> things that we associate with paint. But then then there's the actual creativity part of it, which is what you were saying at the very beginning of the podcast about you, all of these paintings around you are you. Mm -hmm. So they're more than just executions of shapes and values. It's actually you. Right. So that's kind of the other whole part of it. Yeah, I think you have to trust yourself too. I mean, I, I took color class. I know these things. But when I'm doing a painting, I'm not referring to that. I'm just going by my visual um, um, thoughts at, at that at that point. I'm not thinking, okay, I know, you know, this color goes with this color, but, you know, and what hue and you know, all that. I don't, I don't do that. I'm just going with the flow of my creativity. Okay. Okay. So this reminds me, I, I had a conversation with this woman named Allie Pleiter, who is a, she's a writer and um, she was talking about her experience in theater. Mm -hmm. And she said something that kind of in my brain mapped to what we're just discussing. And she talked about how when you're writing um, a story or a, a play that the actual writing part of it that's just the mechanics. Mm. It's the storytelling. Oh, yes. that's that's the that's the creativity and like that's the talent. And it's kind of like what we're talking about, like the mechanics, the actual drawing and knowing all of the how to mix paint mm -hmm. and how to make different uh, hues and values and colors and saturations. That's kind of the mechanics. That's the equivalent of the writing. Mm. But, you know, expressing yourself, that's the storytelling. And I know on your website, you talk about your paintings being stories. Right, right. Yes, definitely. And, and even especially my my one earlier, my earlier series of my transparency series, those I would say, you, you say those are like little one act plays because they were just little stories inside themselves. Um, my My paintings seem simple and yet there's a lot going on in them and and you might just have three a mother and two children looking at their phones but there's something else beyond that mm -hmm. so um so thinking about your pieces of artwork as stories mm. do you know the story ahead of time does it evolve as you're creating the painting tell me a little bit uh, about that process um sometimes they, they're i know what i'm i i know what i want to say um, I have a piece, a uh, later piece that I had done, and 
dealing with um, a lot of things that happened in politics that were bothering me, I wanted to um, express my thought in my artwork. And there was a beautiful family portrait of parents from Mexico and the grandchildren. And I wanted to, I wanted to, I know what I wanted to say. I wanted to say what's important and what wasn't important. And it's called family wall because it, what's important is a family wall. That's the importance. And, and then, so I, I, I knew what I wanted to do immediately. And then, but slowly things like color wise, what did I want to, how did I want to use colors? I ended up using the colors only of the flag of the United States and the flag of Mexico and mm -hmm. other colors. So I had the idea, but it just kind of kept building. And as I said, what I do is just one painting if I can at a time. So the, it gives me time to think and to put in these new thoughts in, into my painting. So do how do you know when a painting is done? It's so, it's, this sounds very corny, but kind of tells me just, uh, you're done. You know, I, this is, this is it. So, um, I just, I, I just sense that it, it's, it's where it should be. I feel the aesthetics of that I wanted, wanted to say are done. And sometimes even I'll, I'll start saying, what's that next project? I know that new one. I really want to do that one now. This one, you know, is, is completed. So, so yeah, so you know you know when it's almost done when you start thinking about the next <laughs> one. Um, I know for me it happens very quickly and sometimes it's unexpected. Mm. So I had a painting um, that I finished a couple days ago and I didn't realize I was going to finish it that morning. And I worked on it for about two hours and it, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> like it happened so quickly and unexpectedly. And I think with oil you get that, you know, that you... I guess with any medium, you would have that the option to see that, but especially with oil, because it is such a slow process that it really gives you time to think, okay, I think we're getting to the end. All right, this is the end. And I can just walk in in the morning and see the painting and go, yeah, it's, I, sometimes you, I, I learned that's very important from schools. Take that break. Don't be constantly painting. You need that break away from it and then to look at it with new eyes again. Yeah, I would agree. I know that, um, Coming back the next morning, a painting looks completely different yes, than when, yes. you, when you when you left it. Um, usually for the better, because usually you're in right. the middle of it you, and you're like, God, <laughs> uh, and then you come back the next morning and you're like, oh, wow, actually that's it's working, that's working. it's I great, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. there's yeah, there have been times I've left studio. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And other times I go, this is so good. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's, it's like knowing knowing when it you it's saying what it, you want it to say. So I've always thought about the painting process as problem solving. Mm, yes. What are, what's your thoughts on that? Definitely, definitely. It's it's a, as I said earlier, it's it's a puzzle. It's um putting pieces together it because you're it, uh, on a blank it's a blank canvas you know and you're all of a sudden you're 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 where do you go what's the next thing and it, it's you can't just randomly do things you really have to think it through think in the color think of that next line you know the thickness of the line everything's important is that ever stressful um it's a good stress because i know i'll come to a solution i don't think i've ever um done a painting and just given up and ripped it up and said, that's it. I'm done. I've always, I've I always have. solved. <laughs> there's been, well, maybe there's one. I sh I know one that I should have, <laughs> but, but, but I, um, 
I really try to figure it out. I give, I, I just kind of make myself figure it out. And a lot of times I start to without sketching separately than on the canvas. I'll, I want to be everything on the canvas. I'll, I'll sketch on the canvas directly, but I won't sketch on a piece of paper beforehand. So you think that with enough time and focus, you can solve whatever problem is presented to you? Yes, I think so. And I think usually, you know, there is that timeline of and you know, it, the next piece that you want to get to and that sort of a built-in timeline if you don't have that as a commission piece that needs to be done soon, too. So what has your background in art taught you about being a mom? Um, I'm not a very patient person. So that's sort of, it's helped me a little bit with that, I think. Um, and um, it also, I think it's helped me keep my own um, self-awareness. It's, it's helped me to remember who I am. Um, I've never been one... I'm a very loving mom, but I've, I've always, I think the best thing you can do is to be a happy person, um, to be a good mother. And so I think, you know, you, you do put yourself first. Sometimes it's okay. You don't, you don't always, I've, I remember once someone said, you don't always have to give your kids the best apples. Once in a while you can have that best apple. It's okay. okay. You know, you're not a bad mom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes sense that, because uh, it's kind of like going to the gym and running, um, like because when you go to the gym and you're running, like really no one else is benefiting. No one else is going to benefit from that but you, mm. but it's going to make you a better person. Yes. And it's kind of like I, I sort of see a little bit of an equivalent with being pr producing art. You know, I mean, I guess the people that would receive your art would benefit from mm. it. But really, it's something that is f for you, mm. but it's going to make you um a better person, um, or in your case, it sounds like it would make you a better mom. Yeah. Well, I think we're always, well, hope, I mean, I think we're, the whole point of life is to become, to better yourself in the arts and in, in your knowledge of literature and in, in your kindness and everything. Um, and it's when you stop doing that, it's, you know, you're, you're missing the whole point of life. And I think in, in even carrying that on into your, and for me, into my children, I see, them as better human beings than I am, you know, not that I'm a bad human being, but I, you know, that's, I, that's my, my purpose was to help guide them so they could be the best they can be. So can you tell people that are listening a couple things, pieces of advice for them to be more creative? Mm. And um, whatever they do, they may be artists, right. they may be lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> um, travel as much as you can, I would say that. Um, open your mind to meeting all sorts of people, not just ones who agree with you in life. Um, give yourself moments to put down your electronic devices and, and look at the world. Give yourself a moment to think, it, you know, whatever makes you, helps you to do that. If it's, a, if it's a walk, if it's a run, you know, let your mind wander too at times doing just sitting there and doing nothing. I think that's, we don't give ourselves a chance to do that that much anymore. We fill every moment with something. And it's nice to let the creative part come out in those moments. You had mentioned uh, before the podcast that you took a 13-mile walk. <laughs> Did you bring your iPhone with you? Um, yeah, I was. I finished, and I, as I stated to you, I finished the M train from oh, Patty right. Smith. So, yeah. So, um, 
Because I'm always telling people, go for a walk and leave your phone behind. <laughs> no music, just listen to the birds and the wind. I know. I'm not at what I just said. I'm not. I do. I do think you should have that time to yourself. But some things, like a 13 mile walk, you need a little help. So that Patty helped me through that one. <laughs> so and and then a lot of times when I I also um, work out and with that it's more music at that time. I do need I need that stimulation for that. Do you listen to music when you paint? Yeah, I used I used to do it all the time, and then um, we got a new president. I was been listening to a lot of radio, <laughs> a lot of NPR lately. But um, um, yeah, I it, it kind of stopped when we got our new president. I stopped listening to music as I painted. Before that, I was always listening listen to music. All right, now I, okay. I need to look at your paintings before <laughs> your, the president and after. Well, the funny so thing we can see what, how they've changed. As I said uh, earlier, I had the the drumming son and then the oboist daughter, and um, the drummer um, had introduced me to uh, alternative rock, which I always liked. Anyway. Uh, um, as when times changed, I was never into disco. I was like, "What? Well, no, give me something else." And um, so there have been times when I'm painting and I'm listening to um, Blink 182. So and those are some of my most romantic, lovely um, oil paintings. So it, it's just something that got me going. Yeah. Okay, great. So tell me about the next opening that you have um, at the art center. Yes, I do have something. We have openings every third Friday at the Joby Arts Center, and I'm on the fourth floor, and the next one is April 19th. And so I'll be there from 7 to 10. And it's always, it's an incredible um, night of art throughout the entire art center. We have like multiple, like 70 artists, I'm not even sure now, in galleries, and it's just, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing how much art is there, and of different sorts, too. So everybody can find something that they like, and there's free parking in the back. There's, yeah, there's <laughs> lots of there's lots of free parking, which is pretty incredible for Chicago. Um, where can people learn more about your artwork? You can find me. Um, the easiest way is just even Google Diana Levitin Gondek, um, or you can go to my website, um, dianalevitingondek.com. Can you spell that? Um, sure. It's D I A N A L E V I T O N. G O N D E K. So that's, um, and then I'm also on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter, eh, not as much. So, but those are, I'm, and my work is also, I have public pieces throughout Chicago that you can actually go and see as well. Okay, great. Are there any uh, places in particular you'd like to call out? Um, well, the ones I did. I did one for um, the mayor of Chicago. So that I'm not sure what's going to happen to that one. That's in front of his office on the fifth floor. Um, so Rahm Emanuel owns that one. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be taking it with him or if it's going to go somewhere else. Um, and then I have um, two more um, works for the aldermen. One is for Alderman Burke in his 14th district. And then one is um, Alderman Tunney, which is at the 19th um, district police station. So that's very easy to see that horse um, when you go to a Cubs game. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I know you did some work for the Special Olympics. Can you tell me about that? Yes. Um, it was coming for their 50th anniversary, which was last year. Um, the first games were 1968. And so the celebration was actually last year. And I was 
commissioned to do a, a painting of the original founders and those now involved. And um, we did lithographs, and those were, were handed out to most of the people that were in the actual painting that I did. This was done in more in, in realism. Um, and then the actual painting we um, had just recently sent to Tim Shriver in D.C. So oh. now he owns it there now. Okay, great. Yes. Well, thank you very much. This It's been uh, great talking to you today. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 